Hey guys, on the last Sunday of every year, I usually preach a vision sermon and I, I celebrate everything that God has done in the last year and I anticipate everything that I think God is going to do in the next year. I try to get people excited about where I think we're going as a church. I'm not doing that this year. And it's not that I don't want to celebrate the fact that we're still around. So many church plants and established churches have closed this year. It's crazy. It's going to fundamentally change the church landscape of the United States. Uh, COVID is going to have a long-term effect. We're still here because of your faithfulness to come and attend and give. And I want to celebrate that. But that's not what I'm going to do today. And I still want to talk about starting new churches. I think we need more small, highly relational churches in places like Upper Darby and Conshohocken. Um, and I'm going to keep talking about that. But that's not what I'm going to talk about today. Because what I need today and what I think you need is hope. 2020 was a hard year. And 2021, it's not like everything's going to magically get better on January 1, right? Like we still have to deal with a lot of the stuff left over from 2020. And so today I want to talk about how to be hopeful people, how to go into this new year with hope. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, uh, a church that was divided over class and economics and over race. And in Romans 15, verse 13, he writes them this powerful prayer. He says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. That's what I think you need. That's what all of us need. That's what our city needs as we head into 2021. Right now, we're sitting on the edge of 2020. Everything in 2021 is hidden beyond, behind the fog of the future, and we need hope. We need to, what I long for, is for us to overflow with hope, to have such an abundance of hope that it spreads to other people. Now, I think Philly is a hopeless place. Let me explain what I mean by that. I mean, I've lived here five years now, and what I've seen is a lot of people who come here from outside of the city don't stay. They come here for a little while and they sense that something is off with the place, something is off with the people, there's something in the air. Darby and I have lived here five years now and what we found is the city is a hopeless place. There's like an air of hopelessness. This really came to came home to me when Steve let me borrow a book written by one of his uh, students he went to school with and in it, it just, it really brought home this sense of hopelessness. Like there was nowhere to go. Nothing was going to get better. Things were just as they are and only bad things were going to come in the future. Not good. I think people are hopeless here in Philly and in the surrounding suburbs. People from Philly almost never see it or it takes them a long time and a lot of introspection to see it. They're like fish in water. It's just simply the way things are. But remember when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2018? I know, go birds, right? Do you remember how the atmosphere of the city changed? How just the atmosphere on the streets and the sidewalk changed? It was for the first time in a long time that people in Philly believed that they could win something. It lit a spark of hope. 
Now, of course, the 2019 and 2020 seasons have once again doused that flame and we're back to being the hopeless city. But we kind of have this reputation of we're a city that just expects that, you know, the capital is going to move to D.C., New York City is going to overshadow us. Some other city is going to take our, our spot on the biggest city, largest cities in the U.S. Um, list. And we just have this expectation that something bad is going to happen, not something good. Our city, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family, your friends are in desperate need of hope. There's this spiritual, uh, you might even call it a spiritual bondage in this city that causes people to be hopeless. And I think that we can be people of hope and we can help people in a hard year when hope is in short supply in a city where hope is in short supply. As students, apprentices of Jesus's way of life, we can bring hope to hurting, helpless people. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for hope. Over and over again in 2020, I hoped that things would be get better and they simply got worse. Things that I hoped and were looking forward to happening didn't happen. Or they completely unraveled and things that I thought were a sure thing, they were something I could rely on, completely fell apart. I would get my hopes up over and over and over and over again in 2020 and they would be dashed. I kept hoping that the crisis would get people to lean into their spiritual faith and become spiritually stronger and more mature as they endured hard things. And instead, what I found was many of us became less faithful in our apprenticeship to Jesus in 2020. The Bible talks about what happens to people who hope and get disappointed and hope and get disappointed over and over again. In Proverbs 13, 12, it says, a hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you hope for something and it's put off, it doesn't happen. And you hope and it doesn't happen. And you hope and it doesn't happen. It makes you heart sick. And I think if I'm being honest, and if you're being honest watching this, you're probably heart sick at the end of 2020 because you had hopes and they were dashed again and again and again. So what do we do when we're heart sick? When we hope and hope and hope and nothing good happens. At some point, many of us will stop hoping. That's what a lot of people have done in our city. They have stopped hoping because every time they hoped, that hope was dashed. And when we stop hoping, we harden our hearts and we despair. Now, I can't talk about hope without mentioning the great quote in Star Wars where Jin Erso is encouraging the fledgling Rebel Alliance to take a risk and steal the Death Star plans. Here's that clip. You're asking us to invade an Imperial installation based on nothing but hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Isn't that such a great moment? I love it. And it plays right into episode four, A New Hope. Like, they light a spark that burns down the Empire. They have hope. Against all odds, they have hope. I believe, yes, rebellions are built on hope. But I think even more so, the Christian life is built on hope. If we are hopeless, we are not walking in step with Jesus. We are not being apprentices of his way of life. We don't have his outlook on life. Our Christian faith has to be based on a foundation of hope. In 1 John 3, verses 2 to 3, it says, We know that when Jesus arrives, we will become like him. This is our hope, and everyone who holds to this hope conforms their life now to the likeness of Christ. 
See, without hope, our apprenticeship to Jesus stalls. And I think for a lot of us, 2020 has seen our apprenticeship to Jesus, becoming like him, living and loving like him, stall out because we have become hopeless people and the foundation of apprenticeship to Jesus is hope. So how do we hope again in a year like 2020? Let's look back to that passage where Paul gave this prayer to the church at Rome. In Romans 15, we're going to read the first 13 verses. Now we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. For one of us, for each one of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you to the glory of God. For I say that Christ became a servant of the circumcised on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises to the fathers, so that Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praise to your name. Again, it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think from this passage, there are five actions that we can take to become hopeful people in 2021. Let's look back first at verses one through three. First of all, he talks about bearing the weaknesses of those without strength, not to please ourselves, trying to please our neighbors. I think the first step to finding hope is to hope for others. Paul tells his readers to stop focusing on themselves and focus on the people around them. Now, these words are surprisingly close to what modern psychologists tell hopeless people. Listen to someone else's story and you'll be moved by how they overcame adversity and begin to believe that you too can make it through. Stories of hope breed hope. I often find that by helping others with their hopelessness, it helps me with mine. Sometimes the words I tell someone else when they're in a hopeless situation actually end up being exactly what I needed to hear. Somehow my brain needs to tell it to somebody else before I actually hear it in my own head. Building up the emotional well-being of your spouse, your neighbor, your coworker, your family member or friend might just be the boost of hope that you need yourself in order to become hopeful. Dave Assay started this nonprofit called StoryCorps, which invites people to ask a loved one to tell a story about the most meaningful time in their lives. And then these people sit and listen to their loved one share a story that many times they've never heard before, and it inspires hope in them. 
We'll put a link to the website so that you can watch some of these stories. But I encourage you, call up a grandmother, call up a mom, call up a sibling and say, will you share with me the most meaningful moment in your life and sit and listen and see if hope isn't sparked in you. Something about hearing the moving stories of others inspires us and reminds us that our life matters, that we're in a story with a plot, not a punchline. Second, verses four through five, practice and remember endurance. Paul here in these verses, he references the scriptures and the numerous stories of endurance we see on display there. Story after story in the Bible is about people who believed and waited and waited and waited and waited some more and some more and some more. And finally, they saw God was faithful to keep his promises. Hope comes to those who endure. The endurance that you're exercising in this moment in 2020 is actually building future hope. Somehow that comforts me to know that my endurance right now is going to make me a more hopeful person in the future. I'm going to be able to face greater things in the future because of the hope that's been built into my personality and into my character, into my soul because of the endurance that I'm showing right now. If you need if you need hope right now, like I do, what we have to do is we need to look back to the moments we endured in the past. Take time to remember. God has been faithful before. He hasn't changed. We need to keep a journal. We need to record gratitudes. We need to remember the moments that hope has been rewarded because that is the fuel for future hope. Sometimes endurance means changing our expectations. Our culture has trained us to demand everything instantly. The internet, if I have a question, it's just instant. Google it. I want to instantly know. Uh, if I order something from Amazon, I'm like, two days. No, no, no. Bump that up to one day, Amazon. I need that today. They, These things have wired me to get everything quickly. But the best things always take time. Falling in love doesn't happen in a day, despite what Hallmark movies tell us, right? Having a baby takes at least nine months. Writing a book, these things, you, uh, writing a book usually takes two years out of someone's life. There's no way to speed these things up. Sometimes we lose hope because we have expectations that are actually impossible. Some good things take a long time and we lose hope because we want them to happen instantly. The problem isn't with the process. The problem's with us. We're way too impatient. Dismantle your expectations and take the adventure that God sends you. You're living a unique adventure that he's crafted for you don't look at somebody else and say, man, they seem to have it a lot easier. They have their own adventure they're going on. Set aside your expectations, take what you've been given, and look forward with hope. Number three, be encouraged by scripture. Once again, this is verses four and five. Paul says that scripture will encourage us. He just straight up says it. There's a direct parallel between my emotional outlook on the world and my personal time of reflection and listening for the voice of God in the Bible. The more I read and listen, the more emotionally secure I feel in a day. The less I read and listen, the more insecure I feel. And a thousand vices in my life stem from the insecurity of failing to take time to stop and read and listen. Sometimes hope looks like reading a psalm aloud every day and sitting quietly and asking God to speak to you. 
The stories in the Bible constantly remind me that God isn't done with you as long as you have breath in your lungs. People over a hundred are conquering cities. People over a hundred are getting promises to have children. People over a hundred are following the call of God to go to a new place and start a new thing. Our culture presents this lie that everything meaningful is going to be done in your 20s, as if like all entrepreneurs have to be in their 20s. Actually, there's only about a 30% success rate for entrepreneurs that start in their 20s and 30s, but there is a 70% um, success rate for entrepreneurs who start in their 60s and 70s. So don't ever think that you're too old to try something new or to start something new. The scripture, the Bible is constantly full of people who are in the last years of their life and having some of the most meaningful moments of their lives. Scripture reminds me that any day can be the starting point for a radically different life. I believe that you're one decision away from a radically different life. And that might be choosing to be helpful. That might mean changing your routine. That might mean starting a new career or trying something different, taking a risk. You're not too old. It's not the end. If you're alive and there's breath in your lungs and God's not done with you yet, and you still have an opportunity to head in a new direction. For thousands of years, people have found encouragement from reading, meditating on, and memorizing the scripture. Maybe the one decision to change your life in 2021 and make you a more hopeful person is to decide that every day you're going to memorize a verse of the Bible. If you have the Bible app, each day they have a verse of the day. Why don't we just collectively say, we're going to memorize that thing every day. We're going to memorize a verse every day. And what I find is if you memorize the words from a hopeful God, pretty soon you start becoming a hopeful person. Number four, gather and worship with people. Verses 7 through 12. Paul next explains that you should gather with hopeful people. He talks here about how uh, the real tension point in the church at Rome was there were Jews, but it was mostly Gentiles. And there was this tension between the Jews who were like, hey, we're Jewish like Jesus, so we're a little bit better, you know, and the Gentiles who were like, we're Romans, and so we're Roman citizens, and we have money and wealth and authority, so we're better. And there was this tension class between uh, clash between the classes. But Paul says you should gather together and be united people in worship. You know when you're around a miserable person and it makes you feel miserable? Gather with hopeful people and you'll find that it makes you feel hopeful. We become like the people that we laugh with, the people that we struggle with, the people that we eat with and weep with. Choose wisely the people that you hang around because they're going to affect how you feel. The church at its best is supposed to be a gathering of hopeful people, bringing hope to the people in that room and the people in the world. But Paul also says in this passage that you're not just supposed to gather with hopeful people. You're supposed to gather to worship. And he quotes all these verses about rejoicing and praising worship. We often think about worship as simply music. That's that music part of the service, right? But the Bible uses the term for so much more. We worship when our souls and our bodies are amazed by something. When our bodies and our souls marvel at something, it is worshipful to our creator who built that into our experience, into our reality for us to enjoy. Music and lyrics often take us to a point where we marvel at the love of Jesus, but 
sometimes a sunrise will take you there and sometimes a mountain or a unique and moving moment in your life. Beth Moore, she's a speaker and an author. She was asked what her most worshipful moment in life was. And, and the people asking the question kind of assumed that she was going to talk about a worship service or maybe one of these really big conferences she's gone and spoken at. Instead, she described being caught in an unexpected rain shower while picking wildflowers in the cow pasture on her property in Texas. Instead of running from the rain, she said she opened up her arms to heaven and she worshipped the creator as the cool rain hit her face and ran down her cheeks. Slow down. Take moments to marvel because that's worship and worship will make you hopeful. What we worship, we end up becoming like, and God is relentlessly hopeful through the ups and downs of the human experience in Scripture. Worship Him, and you'll find that you're becoming hopeful just like He is. Finally, number five, ask for the gift of hope. In verse 13, Paul says, hope is a gift from God that comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus has promised to empower everyone who wants to become a student of the way that he lived and loved with the Holy Spirit, this divine person who gives us the power to become like Christ. But he also gives us gifts. And Paul says, being abounding with hope, overflowing with hope, having this abundance of hope, so much so that you have hope to share with the people around you, is not something that you can just produce in yourself by following these first four things. He says it has to be given as a gift. It is something you have to ask for. It has to be given. It can never be earned. Now, we know that God is eager to give good gifts. Jesus said that, right? He says, pray to your father because he's a good father who longs to give good gifts to his children. So if God's a good father and he longs to give good gifts, things like hope, why don't I have hope? It makes me stop and wonder, have I been so hopeless this year simply because I haven't stopped to ask my loving father for hope? See, I've asked for things to work out, for me and my family to be safe, for me to be happy and healthy, but I haven't asked for hope. See, I've asked for these tangible, physical things that I think are going to make my life better, when at the end of the day, having hope would make all these other things better too. Jesus plainly told his students when he was on earth, many times you don't have because you have not asked. So as we come to the end of this message, let's plan to help others hope. Let's practice and remember endurance. Let's be encouraged by scripture. Let's gather with hopeful people and worship a hopeful God. But maybe right now, the most logical thing for us to do to prepare for 2021 is to get on our knees and beg a loving, kind father to send hope to our hearts and our minds and our soul, to send hope to our city and our nation and our world, for us to take the hope of Jesus to the people across the street who are sitting in darkness and despair. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being the hope of the world. I ask now that your Holy Spirit will fill me with hope. It is a gift. And Lord, I'm going to do my part to position myself to be hopeful. But at the end of the day, I need you to send hope. It's a spiritual gift from you to be hopeful. And I ask that you will share your hope with me. I pray that everyone listening to this, 
that they, as they ask for hope, that you will fill their hearts and their minds and their lives with hope. I pray that it's not just a little hope. It's not just a spark of hope. It's a raging flame of hope that actually lights them up so much that it overflows and pours out to everyone around them that people know that's a person who's hopeful. That's a person I want to be around because they're so full of hope. They know that it's not the end, that there's still good things ahead because there's a good God who loves me and is for me. God, we pray that 2021, just no matter what comes, no matter what we face, will be a year that we can stand and be a hopeful people and bring hope to hurting people.